Hi, and welcome to the Medicine for Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Stiff. I'm a dietitian turned physician passionate about empowering people to use their lifestyle as medicine. Many of the chronic diseases and cancers that affect our world can be prevented. I'm on a mission to provide you with evidence-based tools and education so you can implement realistic and sustainable changes into your life to combat disease, reach your health goals, and lead your best life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Let's begin this journey together. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lynn Stiff, and I am coming to you today with probably my most favorite thing to talk about ever. Uh, Today's episode is all about intuitive eating. And intuitive eating has gained popularity recently. I came to know what intuitive eating was as a graduate student uh, in 2007, Um, and then also uh, when I was doing my dietetic internship during that time, I had a professor who... Uh, was very interested in health at every size and intuitive and mindful eating and had introduced me and my classmates to this concept. And you have to try to understand what it's like in the dietetics world, but um, this is a total sidebar and I'll probably get a lot of flack, but um, many dietitians go into dietetics because they have a distorted relationship with food in some capacity. Um, Not everyone. There are some people who truly love food, love teaching about food, and have a perfectly healthy relationship. But oftentimes, I was surrounded by people who had the same disordered eating tendencies as I did. And I didn't have the insight, nor did they, that this was such an issue. And so it was actually pretty transformational to have a professor teach us a concept that was totally against what we had learned. I had done a very traditional undergraduate program in dietetics and you know, weight loss was simple. It's calories in, calories out. We can calculate everyone's calorie needs just by doing this equation. And if people don't lose weight, that's not our problem. It's that they're lying to us or making up what they're eating or et cetera, et cetera. And you know, it was a very weight bias, shaming education towards nutrition um, and health for that matter. And it's not that uh, the program I went to is bad by any means. Um, that's what all the programs did. <laughs> then it pro- I don't know what they do now, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's still what's done at many programs. Um, but back in 2007, when I started my graduate school program and dietetic internship, it was the first time I had ever heard of this concept of intuitive eating. And it, you know, at first I was resistant and I thought, this is impossible. There's no way that people can trust their bodies, right? If you trust your body, you'll just binge on Oreos all night and develop diabetes and et cetera, et cetera. You can make up your story from there. And so I, because I had a disordered relationship with food and I felt like, well, gosh, I can't trust myself unless I calorie count and restrict and compensate with exercise. Um, so how could anyone else? And I you know, thought that I was sort of on a pedestal for nutrition. And so to me, um, I was a little hesitant to believe this concept. But you know, I dove into the research throughout my graduate program, so for two years. Um, and over that time, I had a very significant shift with my relationship with food and understanding what the research actually says about weight loss what works, what doesn't, um, and what it does to our bodies. And so um, I'll do another episode at some point on my relationship with food and how it's transformed. I, I did do a guest podcast for a Wish Well podcast, 
and um, I talk all about it on there. So I'll see if maybe I can do it, uh, have that guest podcast air on my uh, channel as well. Otherwise, you can go to my blog and under the podcast, there's um, a featured section where you can catch that as well. Um, so I'll do a podcast on that sometime. And then I'll also do one um, on my perceptions of weight and weight loss. And oh gosh, I probably could do a dozen episodes on that topic. So uh, those are more to come. But today we're going to talk about intuitive eating, which is different than mindful eating. So that will be another episode. Today is just intuitive eating. So what is intuitive eating? This is a concept that our bodies know what we need. And if we can not be influenced, sorry, if you just heard my dog in the background, I apologize. Um, If you can not be influenced by the environment around you and truly just tune into your body, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, you will ensure that your body gets the balanced nutrition that it needs. And as I said at the beginning, this can be challenging for us in our modern society to accept because in our minds and what we've been taught is that if you trust yourself, you'll become obese and have all these health ailments. Um, And so it's at first challenging to really dive into, but if you try doing intuitive eating, you'll often be very surprised because we often don't know when we're hungry or when we're full. You know, we eat because we're conditioned to eat, just like Pavlov's dog, if you know much about psychology. You know, it's 11.30, And we didn't realize we were hungry, but gosh, I'm starting to get hungry for lunch. And it's just that cue of the time. Or um, you smell something and suddenly you just have to eat it. Uh, Or it's a birthday and so by default you have to have the cake. And so what intuitive eating is, is that we don't have to eat at 1130 because it's 1130. And we don't have to have whatever it is that we smell that smells good We don't have to have cake just because it's a birthday. If we're not hungry, we can say no. And because of this distorted relationship, most most women, but I'm sure many men as well, have developed over time related to food. Um, Because of that, we have a difficulty trusting our bodies and also resisting things that we really want and not being able to acknowledge what's happening in that moment. We sort of ignore the cues that we have. So I'm gonna talk about what the intuitive eating scale is and give some examples of how we can uh, use this in our daily living. So there is a a mental scale, um, or you can write it down, but zero to 10. Zero, so think of this as your stomach being filled. So zero is completely empty. And so if you close your mind, picture you have this ball in your stomach, a big sphere, and there's nothing in it. It might even be collapsing on itself. You are so hungry. You're like, you are angry. You're lightheaded. You are irritable. You might even be so hungry. You're tired because you just can't function anymore. And your stomach is like twisting and turning and like collapsing on itself. The other extreme is a 10. And this is your stomach. The sphere is about to explode. It might be actually like starting to part at the seams. And Your stomach is so full and it is physically uncomfortable. You might even vomit because you're so uncomfortable. You can't sit because the pressure on your stomach or you can't wear a belt because the pressure on your stomach is too much. Um, And you kind of either just want to go to bed or just like lay and not move because you're so full. And so those are the two extremes. And then you make ticks on a line from zero to 10. 
and some scales have one to 10, whichever you want to do. But you'll do ticks on a line for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And each of those would represent a stage of your hunger or fullness. So five is completely neutral. You're not hungry. You're not full. You are totally neutral. It's like when you've, a few hours after you've eaten a satisfying meal, you're working and you really feel totally fine. And so what can be really helpful is to write this out yourself. And it can be challenging if you haven't been in tune with your hunger and satiety to actually know the cues that you physically get with these different numbers. But our general goal is to eat around a three or a four and to stop eating around a six or a seven. Because if we get further than three or further than seven, we are too far to the extreme to be truly in in control. Because remember, we have developed evolutionarily from animals that lived in the wild, that it was feast or famine, and your survival depended on nourishing yourself. And so if you get too far in the hunger scale, it can be very challenging for you to not overeat because you'll eat very quickly and there actually might be some uh, stimulus that is almost muted initially. So you just keep consuming. You're not even able to pay attention to your fullness because your you know monkey mind or whatever you want to call that more primitive mind is saying consume everything in sight <laughs> because I'm so hungry. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping you're all chuckling a little and can think of a time when you have been in this place, Um, because we've all been there, right? You're busy at work, you can't stop for lunch or whatever, and you are starving. And often what happens if you get further down the line than that like three and a half, when you eat, you will stop eating and think you're at like a six or a seven, and you'll actually be at an eight or a nine. And again, it's because we're eating so fast and we don't quite realize how full we're actually getting. And so if we eat too much, We're going to consume more calories than our body needs, and that will lead to excess weight gain. Now, if we're really in tune with our bodies, often our bodies will self-regulate and we'll be less hungry for dinner, or we, um, you know, the next day we'll eat a little bit less, just automatically. It will just, if we're listening to the hunger and satiety, we will be longer, take longer to get hungry and be full sooner. But what happens is if we are eating when we're not hungry, like, Late night snacking. I have a great post on my blog. If you go there and search in the bar for late night snacking, you can read it. But it's all about why we eat after, you know, 8 p.m. And so uh, the reason why intermittent fasting, in my opinion, is, is so successful is that it gets people to stop eating at night, which is when most people consume the least healthy food and calories that they don't need. So it can become very routine for us to have a snack at night. Maybe you started training for uh, a race I like running, so obviously my examples tend to revolve around running and walking. But um, let's say you started training for a race, and the first few weeks, you're doing so much more work than you normally do that you actually are really hungry at night. But then you develop this habit of having a post-dinner snack. And three weeks in, your body's kind of settled into this increased activity level and doesn't really need extra calories anymore. But you have this habit of eating. So that time comes, like Pavlov's dog, you go, hmm. I think I'm going to have a snack and you go and you, you you put something together that's probably not carrots, probably something like chips or peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something that's a little higher in calories. Um, and you eat this, but it turns out we don't actually pay attention to our hunger and satiety. So you're, you probably had dinner an hour or two before this and you were probably at a seven when you stopped eating 
So you're at a six right now. So you really don't need to eat. You're satisfied. You don't feel hunger, but you don't feel full. So you kind of have this uh, automatic reaction to just eat. And then while we're eating that, we don't stop and assess, am I actually still hungry? So when you finish, you're at like an eight or a nine. And then you're like regretting that you did this and kind of beat yourself up. But it's that very latter thing, the regretting you did it, beating yourself up, feeling like a failure, that drives more of that behavior. And so the goal of intuitive eating is to honor your hunger. And so if you're hungry, it's okay to eat. And then respect your fullness. If you're full and you feel like food is the only thing that's going to fill your void, then it means it's time to sit down and journal and do some work to figure out what else can fill this void because food is not going to do it. Food can have an emotional component to it, but if it makes you stuffed and uncomfortable, you know, we all know, that is not going to lead to a positive emotion that is going to lead to shame, regret, um, being upset at ourselves, and feeling like a failure. And so as we work through intuitive eating, in my opinion, the goal is to first recognize the signs of hunger and fullness. And so this week, if you want to try taking on intuitive eating, I would encourage you to have a little notebook and uh, depending how often you eat, put on this, uh, the date on the top and then write breakfast, what time you ate, what your hunger scale number was before you ate, what your hunger scale number was after you finished eating, and how you felt. And do that for every meal and snack that you have during the day. And then reflect back. How hard was it for me to recognize those numbers? Um, do I think they were accurate? Because if you if you think you started at a two, or sorry, I guess it would be if, if you think you started at a five, but then you ate this huge meal and you were only at a six, that would tell me you probably didn't have your numbers quite right. And so as you work through this, you're going to start to learn, you're going to look back and go, oh gosh, what I thought was a four is actually a three. Or I didn't realize I was getting down to a two every single time I was waiting to eat. No wonder I was overeating and getting to an eight after every single one. And so uh, I want you to write those numbers down every day. And then maybe at the bottom, just reflect on how that went. I have an intuitive eating and mindful eating workbook that I'll link in the show notes. And that's a a free download on my website. And you can use that as well. It, It talks about some of these concepts. It has a scale on there you can look at. And then it also has like journal prompts that you can do. And you can print as many copies as you need for when you're working through this. But I really encourage you for a week. I don't need to know what you're eating. Don't write down your the foods you had. If you want to record the, the foods you, you ate but not the portions, that's fine. But I think recording your portions is a waste of your time and it can lead to bigger problems down the road with uh, food obsession. And so um, if you, let's say, are trying to work through like what foods might trigger you to overeat, it can be helpful to write down what you had because you might realize that whenever you eat these certain items – you tend to finish later because it's harder for you to stop eating when you're full because it tastes so good. Um, and that is a process that takes time to work through. Um, and a lot of people in the health at every size and intuitive eating world would argue that you know if it's something that you want and it gives you pleasure, you should have it, which I totally agree with. But I think the bigger th- concept with that is that you should have a bite. <laughs> like if you're at an eight and it's a birthday party, and there's cake, you know if you eat a whole piece of cake, 
you're going to be a nine or 10 and you're going to feel horrible about yourself. Just like the example I gave before. That doesn't mean you can't have like a bite or three or bites or something. So you should still eat it and enjoy it, which mindful eating will talk more about how to truly enjoy your food. But instead of having your focus be on, I love this food, it's so delicious, it makes me so happy, we want to put it in context. Just because it's delicious and makes you happy doesn't mean that you need half a cake or a whole slice of cake if you're already full. It means eat what you can tolerate and still be okay with yourself because you are what this is all about. And if you really want cake, we live in the 21st century where you can get cake on demand whenever you want. (laughs) So don't feel like this is the only time I can have this cake and I want it so bad. If if it's going to make you feel sick or feel bad about yourself, just say, no, thank you. I'm not hungry. I wish that I had saved some room. And the host will either offer you a piece of cake or you can go get, uh, sorry, to take home, or you can go buy some cake later on in the day when you are hungry. So um, I just want to encourage people to rethink how they're looking at food and especially some of these situations where we tend to overeat um, because they just lead to these spirals that result in worse outcomes than we otherwise would have. Um, So I hope that this overview of intuitive eating makes sense. Uh, If you have children, this is a huge thing I'm so passionate about. Ellen Satter is a big intuitive eating expert and she has a book called child of mine and it goes through how to instill this relationship with food with your kids Um, and it starts from infancy Um, and she gives some great examples my favorite is just the fact that you can't overfeed an infant you know they know when they're hungry when they're full and uh, they know how much they need and you can't force them to drink more milk than can fit in their stomachs and they can feel okay with. And you also can't force them to eat if they're not hungry. So um, she gives some great examples about how we can learn from infants and that um, we can trust ourselves. A lot of people in this uh, modern society, at least people I've seen before in practice, um, don't always trust, especially uh, with infants, that they can self-regulate, right? We think that there's something flawed with us and there's this like really scientific approach we need to be taking to everything. And so even like being concerned that you might not be making enough breast milk so you pump instead of nurse so you can see how many ounces your baby is getting. I really encourage everyone to try to be in tune or sorry, trust that their bodies know what they're doing and that we can be in tune with those bodies. And so if you have kids, I really recommend, I have uh, some posts on my blog you can read about or getting Ellen Satter's book uh, to read more about how we can instill these intuitive eating behaviors in our children Um, and in doing that begin to also honor and respect our own intuitive eating uh, journey so that's all I have for today hopefully I didn't ramble too much there (laughs) Um, I will be back with you next week to talk about mindful eating if you have any questions in the meantime feel free to email me uh, nutrition health life LLC at gmail.com. No dots, just all one word. Um, and I will get back to you or talk about it on the podcast. Um, and I can't wait to see you next week. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review at the bottom. Um, I think that will help others find the podcast and ensure that they're getting some great information. And, um, again, any questions or concerns, feel free to reach out. All right, take care and be well.
While I make every effort to broadcast correct information, I am still learning. The views expressed on this podcast are solely my own, based on extensive experience and research. The views of this podcast are not those of any organizations that I am currently or previously affiliated with. If you have any concerns about views or opinions expressed in this podcast, please contact me directly at lynn.stiff at nutritionhealthlife.com. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another, and I am simply presenting my views on how to use diet and lifestyle approaches to improve your health. By listening to this podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice or to treat any medical conditions that either yourself or others are experiencing. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. Do not ignore or delay obtaining professional medical advice because of information accessed or otherwise obtained from or on behalf of Nutrition Health Life LLC or Lynn Stiff MD.